Welcome back. The Hammer Down Show is on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. And don't forget about the 1017 The Hammer mobile app. It's free to download. You can get all of our interviews. You can stream the station and more. To the Hammerhead Hotline we go. Dustin Schutte from Saturday Tradition on with us here. Great blog that covers the Big Ten. Does a fantastic job. I love Dustin because, uh, first off, he covers Big Ten. He's very fair. And uh, he can just offend a Nebraska fan like none other. It's really impressive how you're able to do that. Um, I think you breathe, and I think you've upset a Nebraska fan. Is is that the fan base that's the hardest on you? Oh, man, it depends on the week, Jared. Uh, I, I have the innate ability to be able to tick off just about any fan base with any one tweet. Like It's like a superpower I have or, or something out of a Harry Potter movie. Like I can just formulate some sort of tweet. And the, the crazy part is, is usually it involves some sort of statistic or factual evidence that it just works against them. Uh, so uh, sometimes the Nebraska fans, they, they are they are the most, I think that they're the, probably the loudest, but you get some, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. Occasionally you'll get, you know, some Iowa fans in there. But, yeah, the, the Nebraska fans do tend to be uh, loud sometimes, but that's okay. I've, I've gotten plenty of great feedback from them, too. It's just uh, – you know, sometimes they can also be the most critical. Just notice, guys, how he didn't mention Purdue at all in there. He understands the radio market. He understands marketing there, too. Uh, and he also knows that Purdue fans do no wrong. Well, buddy, they're up to 25 now in the poll. Huge win last week against Iowa. I thought it would be close. I did not think that they were going to be able to do it. If you would have told me before the game that it would be Iowa's defense that would be not very good in the second half and Purdue's defense would just continue to improve throughout that game, I would have thought you're crazy. I really reversed some trends on that one. It just goes to show you just how impressive the win was in Iowa City. Yeah, I mean, really, in in all three phases, and I know your guy Kyle Charters, i got to give him a shout-out because he called this one. He said that they needed to go with it. He gets everything from me. (laughs) Stop it. Okay, well, then I'll give you some credit there, Jared, uh, because – the the argument that I would have made coming into this game was Jack Plummer was probably the more consistent quarterback in terms of not turning the ball over. He had seven touchdown passes, no interceptions. He had a pretty high completion rate. I thought that considering what Iowa had done in the secondary and creating 16 interceptions, 20 total turnovers, and plus 15 in turnover margin, I thought the smart thing would have been to play it safe. But Jeff Brom rolled the dice with Aiden O'Connell, who – Let's just be honest, in my opinion, coming into that game was kind of high-risk, high-reward. He had four interceptions, five touchdowns. At one point in games against Notre Dame and Illinois, he had thrown four consecutive interceptions on four drives. So I had some concerns, but he was able to pick apart that Iowa defense. Obviously, having a guy like David Bell, who's been the Hawkeye killer, certainly helps. But I think that you speak to a really good point. The thing that I've been most impressed with is the Purdue defense. And I go back to Big Ten media days and back to the spring practices and the offseason when Jeff Brom anointed kind of three defensive coordinators and on top of that said he was going to have his hand more involved in the defense. And you kind of scratch your head and you're like, boy, I don't know if this yeah. is going to work. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't seem to me like there's much trust along that defensive staff if he's got three coordinators and he's going to be more involved. But right now they've got the number five scoring defense in the nation, not the Big Ten, the nation. Their pass defense, which is ranked 12th or worse in Jeff Brom's uh, previous time from 2017 to 2020 is now second in the Big Ten. They're allowing just 179 yards through the air. I mean, this team has improved so well. And, and J- George Karloftis along the front line, I mean, to me, he's probably the best defensive player in the Big Ten. He's not getting a lot of statistics because teams are doubling and tripling him even at times. 
this defense is really good. They've got some unsung heroes. I've been really impressed with how Jalen Alexander has played, Jalen Graham. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in the fact that this team has continued to be injured, right? Like some of the things that plagued this team in 2019 and 20, injuries, some players missed time because of COVID last season. And, and they have still battled some of that, but you're starting to see this team develop some depth. The coaching is a lot better. They are much better on both sides of the ball this season. It was just a thorough win in all three phases, and I don't know the last time we saw that. Maybe maybe you have to go back even to the Ohio State game in 2018 when you saw this kind of a thorough win for Purdue. And today, I believe, is the anniversary of that game as well. We're talking with Dustin Schutte from uh, Saturday Tradition here on the Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, you know, you bring up that defense, too. You talk about the injuries. Uh, look, they're missing their top cornerback, Corey Trice, done for the yep. year. And, you know, we, we keep on talking about this, but Jamari Brown has been absolutely fantastic stepping in here and uh, filling that void. It, it just, it's really remarkable. And, uh, you know, talking with someone earlier this week, how many coaches, look, I, I know Bob Diaco isn't the most likable guy in the world. I get that. But how many coaches would be willing to, to fire the guy that they went out and hired 10 months ago and, and, and say, this is not working out, we have to cut this off right now. I, I don't know there's too many coaches that would be willing to do that, especially when you're talking about there's a buyout and you're in the middle of the pandemic, to be able to pull that off, go out, and he got, what, three guys in, in English and Hagen and, uh, and Lambert that have completely transformed this. I, this is like... This is Nostradamus' level of, like, predicting that this was all going to work out, right? I mean, it, it's crazy. And I think the interesting thing that Jeff Brom said, I, I think it was earlier this week or maybe it was two weeks ago, I can't remember the dates on it, but he said basically we wanted to bring Ron English in last year and we just couldn't do it. Uh, and I think you're seeing the difference he's made. Again, we talk about the secondary, how well that, that unit has played. Um, you look at guys like Cam Allen, Diedrich Mackey, and, and uh, like I said, you've, we've seen great play out of Jalen Alexander, Jalen Graham. Those guys are breaking up passes. This is some of the stuff that he talked about. He wanted to be more aggressive. He wanted to get cause more havoc in the backfield, get more tackles for loss, get more pass breakups, which they're doing a great job. Uh, they're averaging, I think, five pass breakups per game right now, and, and I think they've totaled six interceptions, although four of those came in the win against Iowa. I mean, it's just been remarkable. And, again, I, I just keep going back to – Jeff Brom is a winner. He's a guy that wants to come up. And I think you saw that last year, and I know this is kind of unrelated, but within 48 hours of the Big Ten canceling the college football last, college football season last year, he came up with a plan that would work to play spring football and then get teams back um, on the field in the fall. And that was within 48 hours he hopped on, hopped on his laptop. This is a guy who's he's a problem solver. And I think that he went out, he knew he couldn't keep Nick Holt around after the 2019 season, and he probably wanted to hire somebody other than Bob Diaco, but he might have been the only option left. So he wasn't going to be satisfied with how poorly the defense had played and and allowing Diaco to kind of continue to run that. So I give him a ton of credit. I think the players have responded. This coaching staff is working nicely together. Obviously, they still have some some things that we want to see. They've been successful against Iowa in the past uh, with other coaching staffs, but he's now 4-1 and against Kirk Ferentz. So there is still a little bit of latency to me. This is a team that is going to head into this Wisconsin game. This is a Wisconsin team they haven't beaten since 2003. So I still have some questions about it. But right now, through the first six games of the season, this team is playing at a high defensive level. I thought if they were in the top, you know, 50, we'd be we'd be 
Purdue would have a chance to get to bowl eligibility. Right now they're playing at a top-10 level defensively, and I don't think anybody predicted that coming into the 2021 season. uh, Look, here's the deal. If you want to sit here going in that Wisconsin game and have that little bit of doubt, go ahead, buddy. If you want to hitch that wagon to Graham Mertz, you go right ahead, buddy. Come on, you got to get on the bandwagon. There's no way you can tell me that you are thinking Wisconsin wins this game this week with Graham Mertz a quarterback. I'm sorry, I don't see it. He's made me way too much money this year. I, well, that's a great point to you, uh, and, and so kudos for that. But, I, I mean, there's, there is something to the past. The thing that's interesting to me about this Wisconsin matchup is Wisconsin and Iowa kind of play similar styles. Typically, Wisconsin has the better athletes, so they tend to win. They have a better rushing attack. They're better on the offensive and defensive line. So that's why they tend to be a little bit better and, and get to Indianapolis a little bit more frequently. But this is a Wisconsin team that if Purdue's going to beat them, this is going to be their best shot because that team cannot move the ball offensively. They're horrendous in the red zone. Graham Mertz, has, uh, he's been terribly turning the ball over, not just throughout the game, but when they're in scoring position. So you kind of compound the issue there. This is a team that they don't have their typical rushing attack. Ches Malusi um, has been good to transfer in out of Clemson. They maybe found a little spark with Braylon Allen, the freshman running back. I think that he might provide a little one-two punch for them, so that's good. But they have no passing attack. And the thing that's going to be interesting to me, Jared, is this is a Wisconsin team that's really good at defending the run. And as we saw last week and we've seen through the first six, season, or first six games, excuse me, and really throughout Brom's tenure, Purdue kind of wants to run the ball, but if they're they're fine if they win the game and only have five rushing yards, right? They they don't care. Mm-hmm. They can they have these extensions of the run game. They can get the ball to David Bell. They can get the ball to Jackson Anthrop, and and even Payne Durham. And they have these a way of their offenses to extend the run game through the passing attack. And I think that that might cause some problems for Wisconsin. Look, I don't think Purdue has to score a lot in this game. It's going to look a lot like to me the Minnesota game, the Illinois game. I think if they can get to 17, 20 points, the way their defense is playing right now and how horrible Wisconsin's offense has looked, Purdue's going to have a great shot to get this win and end that, uh, end that losing streak to the Badgers. So who wins the West now? Go ahead and make your prediction. If you want to say Purdue, nobody's going to hold that against you. It's hard for me when I look at the schedule and the fact that they lost to Minnesota to, to say Purdue right now. Now, I think that Purdue very well could be the best team in the Big Ten West. But at the same time, you still have Michigan State and you still have Ohio State on the schedule. And so you're talk- if you win, let's say they, just, they win one of those games, you're still looking for Iowa to drop one somewhere down the line. And you look at Iowa's schedule, and it, they only play one team with a winning record the rest yep. of the season, and that's Minnesota. And they've had Minnesota's number under P.J. Fleck. So it's hard for me. I do think that Purdue right now, the way they're playing, you could make the argument that they're the best team playing the best football in the Big Ten West. And, and you look at some of the injuries that Minnesota has sustained, and obviously the way Iowa played, we could make the argument that Iowa should have lost to Penn State a few weeks ago if Sean, if Sean Clifford is in that game. So you look at the schedule, I think that that's probably what's going to keep Purdue out of Indianapolis. But, you know, it's been a crazy college football season. Um, you know, maybe, maybe getting one of those wins is going to be enough for Purdue to get back to get to Indianapolis for the first time. We'll see. But, um, you know, one, one, the first priority to Jeff Brom and everybody else in West Lafayette right now is, is end that losing streak to Wisconsin. You're 5-2, and two, and after missing a bowl game the past two seasons, if you get back to bowl eligibility, that, that sets you up for even more success they're heading into 2022. Before we let you go, you are a known Pacers fan. Are you ready for tip-off tonight? And uh, where in the uh, mid-teens to early uh, 20s do you feel like uh, they will end up with a draft pick next year? 
Oh, yeah, you would ask that. Um, <laughs> I tell you, I, I should be ready to go in and play because they've got so many guys already on the injured list and, and so many guys who won't be ready for tonight's uh, season opener against Charlotte. I just I just hope we see a lot, kind of like Purdue, to be honest, to, to bring this full circle. I just want to see better defensive effort because last season they were god-awful defensively. They did some good things. On the offensive side, we see some new guys. I'm interested to see what the, the rookie Chris Duarte is able to do, kind of in a, a, a role that Doug McDermott filled last year. But I like, I like DeMontis Sabonis. I like Miles Turner. I like T.J. McConnell. I think that this is going to be a team that's going to be a, a five or six seed in the East. But uh, I'm happy to have Rick Carlisle back. And if this team plays better defensively, I think that they can score with just about anybody in the NBA, but you know, whoops, uh, there's there's some pretty good teams up there in Brooklyn and Milwaukee, and then out in Los Angeles and Utah. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a much more fun season than it was last year. I want to see him succeed. I, I really do. Uh, Duarte is hard for me to get on board with because every time I hear his name, I always think of Joe Dirt and Joe Dirte. I was like, don't church it up, Dirt. It's <laughs> exactly is, what I think I about. Never even, I have, that is a great point. I had never thought about that, but you you bring up a you bring up a great point with that. I had I had not thought of that. Now now I'm never going to be able to get it out of my head. <laughs> I've ruined it for him. I love it. <laughs> Dustin shooting again. Saturday tradition. Our uh, friend Kyle Charters also uh, writes for them as well. So uh, you got to check it out. Great stuff covering the Big Ten. Dustin, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks, Jared. Always appreciate.